On this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. We cover new link penalties on Bing and what they might look like in real life. We talked about new YouTube placements for shopping ads. Shep came up with brand new behind-the-scenes feature to get Uber Eats more customers. And Greg told us about new features on Twitter, some of which we wish we had in real life. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. A proud part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. And I'm Christine Zernheld. A.K.A. Shep. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on November 8th, 2019. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news shows each and every Friday morning. We read all the news. So you don't have to. And today's news is brought to you by our favorite t-shirt.searchenginejournal.com. If you aren't looking as sharp as your SEO, your digital marketing skills are, we can help. Mm -hmm. Head on over to t-shirt.searchenginejournal.com and there is a wide selection of SEO-themed shirts for you. You can talk about keywords, page speed, schema, backlinks, or you can just go straight metal with a kiss-flavored Lynx shirt. Or Ramon style, if you're more punk rock with SEO's Not Dead yeah. shirt. You got to look good to work good. You have to. Mm-hmm. And Search Engine Journal is here to help you. So if you're looking for some shirts, head over to t-shirt.searchenginejournal.com and they even have the vintage Space Invaders for you. So regardless of your musical tastes, they've got a shirt for you. Chep. What's up first in the news here this week? First up in the news this week, Christmas came early. We have a new ad placement alert for shopping ads in Google Ads. Hang on. Let me change my calendar. Christmas on, okay, November 8th. Got it. Christmas for advertisers. Oh, okay. Perfect. Google announced that shopping ads will now display on the YouTube home feed and search results. Ads will be tailored to the interests of individual users. On mobile, there will be a carousel of suggested products between videos on the homepage or at the top of search results. Your shopping ads will be eligible for this placement along with the Google Discover placement if you select the YouTube Discover on display network option in your campaign network setting. So if you want your ads to show on YouTube, they're going to show on Discover too. It's all one option that you click in addition to the search results. I like the fact that you have to be opted into this where it's not for everybody. You have the choice to be on either YouTube and Discover, mm-hmm. but it's still your choice. That's nice. And that's another thing we should tell our listeners. If you don't want to be on YouTube, you should probably check and make sure Google didn't press the button for you and opt you in. Yep. Great point, Shep. Double check everything, especially anything new like this where there is possibility for error. Mm-hmm. All right. And next up, Bing has announced new link penalties. These link penalties are focused on taking down PBNs, subdomain leasing, and manipulative cross-site linking. Thankfully, they aren't going after PBRs, the PBA, or PBS. They're only going after PBNs. <laughs> and in case you didn't know, a PBN is a private blog network. So I'm going to break down what they're going after and then relating to why they are in, in IRL terms because it all makes sense if you think about it in real life. Like Nobody would do these things in real life. So the first thing are those PBNs or private blog networks. So instead of going out and making great link-worthy content, it's going to go get links on its own and taking that and promoting it. If you have a private blog network, you just make blogs, as many blogs as you can, and just link all over. Uh, That doesn't sound like a great site. Right. So you you actually register the domain or somebody else does and you sign up for their private blog network. They spin a blog up, and then all of a sudden you're looking for links, and all you get links from all these different blogs in the same network. Um, so let's say that this is real life now, and I'm dealing art. I'm an artist, an artiste, some say. So instead of going out and making a piece of art that's impeccable, that is amazing, that rocks, it gets tons of exposure, gets all the critics buzzing about it, 
let's say I make a piece of art and then I go and I create fake critic sites and I give myself all good reviews from a fake critic. That looks fishy. That yes. looks spammy and that's why you shouldn't do it. So that is a great thing that Bing is targeting. Next up, subdomain leasing. Danny Sullivan over at Google. So next is subdomain leasing. And this is where you lease a subdomain to try to harness the overall domain authority. So you might want to say, oh, I'm going to make an offers page. I'm going to set up offers.marketingaclock.com and try to hop on the back of the awesomeness that is marketingaclock.com. Google's been cracking down on this. Danny had a few posts, Danny Sullivan over at Google, as to how Google is trying to stop this. Mm -hmm. um, but Bing is now. And a good example of why this doesn't make sense is let's say, we'll go back to the art example. Let's say instead of going out and just going full Bob Ross on a canvas, you instead make something less quality or whatever. You don't really try too hard. And then you slap Jackson Pollock's name on it. But everybody knows it's not a Jackson <laughs> Pollock. That is similar, right? So, so it doesn't make sense to be able to just barnacle onto some other URL like that. You can see why Bing is cutting down on that. And next up is cross-site linking. And this is kind of similar to private blog networks, but instead of everything pointing one direction, you, it's almost like a link wheel where you're linking, every site is linking to the other, and it's like this big kind of network of links, cross-site links. It's a, it's a good name for it. So again, in real life, I'm that artist, and I find five other artists, and I make a painting, and I sell it to the artist to the right of me, and I buy a painting from the artist from the left, all for the same price. Roughly the same type of art. It doesn't make sense mm -mm. that you just keep on passing that art around. Nobody actually makes any money. You're just, the links are all just going around. The art's all going around. Nobody's actually benefiting from this. So I love the fact that they announced this and the clarity that they gave. Now, Frederick Debut from Bing, I hope I got that right. My French is uh, not, not as good as it should Sounds be. Sounds convincing to me. Okay. Well, he answered some questions over on Twitter, and we'll link to it in the show notes. So it was a good thread, and there were some real answers on there. And one that I thought was a pretty high visibility one was coupons.huffpost.com, where they integrated Groupon with Huffington Post to try to benefit mutually. And there's a good discussion on there, and they're very mm -hmm. open with some of those answers. As to, is it helping the users? So on and so forth. So check that out in our show notes if you want more about this. But overall, kudos, Bing. These changes seem good, unless you're one of those shysty art folks that we yeah. talked about earlier. Thanks for joining us for Art O'Clock. <laughs> and next in the news, the FTC has released guidance for how influencers should disclose ads on social media. They released a new infographic called Disclosure 101 for Social Media Influencers, and it's actually really well done. It's a great infographic, and they call it a brochure, which I think is pretty funny. Like, it's for influencers. Just call it an infographic. They probably would have got roasted <laughs> if they called it an infographic. It's like, what is this, 1935? But if they, if they call it an infographic, they'd be like, well, look at the FTC. Yeah. They have to cater to these influencers. Yeah. The word brochure like gives me hives. <laughs> hives? Wow. I just hate paper. Well, it, this is a digital paper. Yeah, that's Think about great. It that way. So first, they define what an endorsement is, and they say it's a material connection including personal, family, or employment relationship, or a financial relationship, such as the brand paying you or giving you free or discounted products or services. So that's a little different. You know, Diet Coke could just send me a can of Diet Coke for free, and I'm supposed to disclose it to all of my thousands of followers on business Twitter. It's also a discounted... Discounted? What if you are reviewing something and you just had a discount that you got from another influencer. yeah does that count i supposedly according to or this, does it have to come directly from them i should say at the beginning of this whole thing they say this is not a law they're guidelines oh okay so like, go on with the discount you can you, you clip those coupons folks don't worry about that yeah but you any influencers out <laughs> no influencer actually clips coupons so let's be honest no they don't like paper just like me <laughs> So anytime one of these relationships exists, they want you to uh, disclose the relationship and they break down specifics of how you should do that. So they say place it so it's hard to miss, not in your bio or landing page, but in the endorsement message itself. So probably the caption. Don't mix your disclosure into a group of hashtags or links. So you're not just supposed to hashtag ad. 
If your endorsement is in a story, superimpose the message over the photo. What? Yeah. So over the photo, fo- the entire photo. I'm I'm thinking like when you have a video on your Instagram story and you add text overlay, you just have to put advertisement. Oh, okay. If the ad is a video, they say you should have that included in the audio and the video itself, not just the description. If the ad is a live stream, you should disclose that it's an ad throughout, which would be so annoying if you're like, what? <laughs> Yeah. By the way, it's been another minute. I just have to remind you guys. Hey, guys, great to see you. Uh, this is an endorsement. And then they say to use clear and simple language saying, thanks for the Diet Coke. Free can is fine. But if you're putting words like ad or sponsor, that's also fine. But if you use vague terms like ambassador or SP, that's not okay. I think ambassador is pretty clear. I think SP is too, sponsored post. It is to us, but... They got to draw the line somewhere. All right. I think they should draw the line between ambassador and SP, if you ask me. You know what would be better than this infographic? I know you like infographics. I know you hate paper. But you know what would be better way to tell the masses with this? What? Is if the FTC hired Kim Kardashian, the influencer of all influencers, and they had her put a big message out to everybody. That'd be great. And that's it. No need for the infographic. No need for paper. Kim K has an Instagram story. Everybody's going to see it. Everybody that's going to be an influencer will find it. I love that. I just think that my tax dollars kind of pay for the FTC, and I I think that would be really expensive. <laughs> well, that was but, a pretty long infographic. But it would be effective. So for more information, you can check out our show notes or visit ftc.gov slash influencers, which is just crazy that we have a .gov slash influencers. Welcome to 2020, people. What else is going on this week? Well, we have finally loaded up a new search console feature that was announced back at Google I.O. 2019. The speed report. It's here. And it's awesome. I co-signed this report. It's that good. So in order to help site owners, you can now go to search console and you can see the speed report. It's called experimental because they're still working on it. But it assigns groups of similar URLs into buckets, fast, moderate, and slow. And these buckets are color-coded as well. It's really cool. Color-coded like a stoplight even. So if you're fast, you have green, moderate is yellow, and then slow is red. That's not the best yellow, though. No, it's more like a golden red. Golden red. Is that what you were going to say? The crayon color, yeah. Yeah. And when you look at the example they gave... You can see this site is not fast. <laughs> there is a lot of goldenrod and what do you call it? race car red? I don't know what the crayon color it's is like for a, that. A rust maybe? Rust. Brick. Not a lot of not a lot of forest green in there. Um but so I I was like, oh, this is a good example. You can find some easy improvements. Um another nice thing, and I was playing around with this tool, obviously for our clients. And you can click on some of those groupings that are in those, let's say, slow or moderate ranges or even fast. Um, And when you open that up, you can hop right into the page insights tool. And that will allow you to quickly find out how to fix these. Like how do we triage this problem and, and figure it out. So I thought that was fantastic. It's really helpful for all webmasters, not just SEOs. And I think it's something you're seeing with Search Console is... It's not just a tool for SEOs. It's a tool for everybody. And you can see they're really broadening the appeal of this. So great job. I love this all in one spot. You don't have to go into Google Analytics and look at things. You don't have to go manually one by one. This is a fantastic tool. Thanks. Now it's time for this week's Take of the Week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. And this week's take comes from James Webster at PPC Webster on Twitter. PPC underscore Webster on Twitter. Forgot the underscore. And James has been doing some shopping campaigns. Here is James's tweet. Has search query quality always been this bad from shopping campaigns? Or is it getting worse? These and many others came through from a dog bed PLA campaign. Quote, 
fat French bulldog. Unquote. <laughs> How to stop cats pooping on my lawn. <laughs> Hashtag PPC chat. Fat French bulldog <laughs> is an amazing search. It really is. I want to make it my home, like my home page. I, I like the fact too that this is again a dog bed campaign and for you folks out there that might not be doing a ton of shopping campaigns you don't have the option of choosing your keywords you can just negative terms out specifically um but the fact that this dog bed matched cats pooping on my it's lawn it's not even a dog wait let me check yeah you're right a cat's not a dog it's a, it's a to- totally different phylum cats don't sleep in beds Right? I don't think I don't. We don't have the cat. I think only here. human beds. I don't think I think it, they, yeah. they're allergic to cat beds. I think cats just like disappear in the night. Yeah, they don't need a bed, and then they just bonk you in the face and go back to wherever they came from. <laughs> but, this is insane. Why can't you have keywords? I don't get it. Why don't they just let us have keywords? It would be nice to have some restrictions. Yeah, this is a great take that James has, where you don't want just something as simple. Is a, a fat French bulldog. I mean, you might want it for your house, but you don't want it for selling dog beds. And you see this all the time. We have shopping campaigns in the, the negative, the work you have to do, the calories you have to burn to make shopping campaigns work is unfathomable. And check out this tweet. There's some more conversation. Uh, Kirk Williams, formerly on the show here, and talked about the fact that he sells dog beds too and has the same problem, which is like, what world are we living in? So many dog beds. And then, I just did a quick search for um, fat French bulldog puppy, and I got my first shopping result is the blissful dog French bulldog unscented nose butter. Why wow, I don't even know what that <laughs> is. Nose but that's, butter. Uh, <laughs> wait, nose butter for the dog? Uh, for, yeah. Oh, maybe because they're all so scrunchy and so maybe chewy.com. Maybe those those cute little things get booped too many times right in the nose. <laughs> Need a little butter on there. <laughs> Anyway, great take, James. Thank you. Now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into two parts, paid and non-paid. First, we'll cover everything to do with advertising, a.k.a. paid, and then report on the organic or non-paid. Here's what's happening in the paid universe this week. First up Shopify introduced Shopify email for merchants, which is expected to be available in early 2020. This new app will make it possible for merchants to create and measure email marketing campaigns natively within the Shopify platform. It offers customizable email templates that you can import, use to import existing brand assets and product content from merchant stores. Emails can be sent from the merchant domain name. This is really cool. Yeah. And one thing, I just want to give a little shout out to Shopify. I traditionally have bought most things on Amazon over, say, the past two years. And with Shopify, the interface is so nice. The ability to store some of your credentials, store some of your credit cards, know that you've got a good interface that you can kind of trust from small mom and pop to other mom and pop is fantastic because people don't know e-commerce and it's really hard. It has been really hard. And the ability for Shopify to make it easy for these small businesses is phenomenal. I bought something this week on Shopify. I saw it was Shopify. I put in my little code that I've got for my Shopify code. I'm right in, I'm right out, and it's easy. And the fact that you're going to make it easier for people to email, this is something that I can't believe has been overlooked for this long catering to these smaller folks and making it easy. And then also making it easier on the customer. Mm-hmm. It's f- fantastic. I mm-hmm. love this. Again, really co-sign cool. this one too. How I've never that? even thought to search there. I, I just don't think about it. Well, I, see, I, I find a site. I'm like, oh, this is something really cool, really interesting. And then I go look at a Shopify. I'm like, I know I can easily check out here. It's not going to be a problem. I know I'm yeah. going to get my stuff and whatever. So that's great. I, I enjoy it. Greg Finn endorsed. Also in the news this week, Facebook will start limiting the number of ads a page can run. This is going to take effect mid-2020, they say. To prepare advertisers for the change, they are releasing a new version of their marketing API with an ad volume API so you can see the volume of ads your account is currently running. And they said they're doing this because, quote, very high ad volume can hinder an advertiser's performance. They don't say what the limit is. 
And they don't say it's going to be the same for every advertiser. And I don't think it's going to be. They're very vague on here. So I don't know how this new API is really going to help people to prepare for it because they don't know what the limit is. Yeah. And one, one thing I think about all the time is like, does this make sense? And this doesn't make sense, right? Like we were talking about that real life example of all these different schemes that, that don't make sense. Mm-hmm. And I have a hot take here. They're not going to limit the ad spend dollars. No. I get it. They're going to say, you're spending X amount of dollars and you've got all these ads that aren't actually showing, or you're going to pause these things that aren't showing. That makes sense. But I'll tell you one thing, they're not going to stop you from cleaning out every nickel in your pocket over to Zuckerberg. Sorry, you're not allowed to give me any more money. (laughs) That's not going to happen. That just seems crazy. Next up, Uber Eats is gearing up to run ads on its platform. I like this story because it's sort of a piece of investigative journalism. We don't know because Uber announced it. We know because they made a job posting for a group product manager ad lead position. Wow. Yeah. So if you want to apply, you should apply. And it seems like they're gearing up to run ads on the platform, which is great. If you're a restaurant in your local community and you want to sell on Uber Eats, I have a recommendation for Uber Eats. I wish these takeout apps would put pictures of the insides of the restaurant. Like in the kitchen, the kitchen cam. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yes, I am with you. We go to these places and I can't eat because it's so dirty. It's so greasy and gross. I want the kitchen cam. Even the front though. There's places that. I would never order takeout, even if I just drove by it, because it looks so dirty. But why wouldn't you do that? Be like, you know, some some fancy places, they'll have a big window mm-hmm. into the kitchen, or they'll have a window from the outside so you can see everybody cooking. That's what we need, the kitchen cam. I love it. They should get rid of the ads. Get the kitchen cam out there. They'll have actually something different than everybody else out there, than DoorDash and Grubhub yeah. and everything like that. I would only order from Uber Eats if that was the case. Just a little marketing o'clock advice. Our next source is from yours truly, my business Twitter. At Shep Zernheld on Twitter. <laughs> it's um, a really great business Twitter follow. Hey, I know that person. <laughs> I have about 40 business associates. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you tweet, Shep? Okay. So. You actually, you were the first person to discover this and you tweeted it I out. So it's news. And I put it on here because you created news. How do you, A, first off, let me interview you quick. How do you feel now that you're an international news it's breaker? It's amazing. I think I gained two followers. I'm just doing, you know, I'm really trying to make it on business Twitter. And I came in, what day was it? November 6th, Wednesday morning. Opened up Ads Editor and it said I had an update for Google Ads Editor. And I never want to update anything, but for some reason, I just did it right away. And I got the notification after it installed that we can now use negative keyword lists, shared negative keyword lists in Google Ads Editor, which has been a huge oversight. I can't believe it took until 2019 for this to happen, but it's finally here. I was very excited. So I broke the news. All right, you're like a little G. Gordon Liddy over here breaking news. I say so. Follow me on business Twitter. (laughs) At Chef Zernheld on business Twitter. (laughs) And we have more news that broke via Twitter. This time it's from Emma Franks at AKA Emma Louise. She found in her Google ads account that instead of the disabled conservative or aggressive targeting settings for display campaigns, Google has switched to levels. So it's disabled one, two, three, four, five, and five is the most aggressive. So I was trying to figure out how she saw this. And I think that this screenshot is from Ads Editor. And you know how they do that scrolly bar? Yeah. I don't even know the technical term for it. No, that's technical. Scrolly (laughs) bar. So you could have it all the way to the left for off. Yep. Or towards the right for aggressive targeting expansion. I think this is just how they visually represent it in Editor, which is so confusing. It, it doesn't make sense. I was in the same campaign. I was online. It had the scrolly bar and in an editor, it showed these numbers. That's not consistent. It's very confusing. Just turn it off, people. Turn it off. Disable. Get rid of it. Get rid of everything in this. I've never once had success ever with, let's say, the five number. I, I don't even know how to, to call this now. I guess it would be aggressive. Take my money. Take my <laughs> Perfect. You've got a new name. You go from disabled to conservative to take my money, the five. And that is it for paid news this week. What is going on in non-paid? All right. First up is an article this week from Quartz. Microsoft is repositioning Bing as a company search engine. And this is from the article, and I'm going to read directly from there. 
Bing is the underlying mechanism supporting search capabilities for applications like Outlook and Microsoft 365. So rather than trying to compete with Google directly, Microsoft is perhaps wisely shifting Bing from a general purpose engine to one focused on catering to businesses. And I get it, Bing. I get it, Microsoft. Okay, Boomer. This all seems good in theory. (laughs) But Google has a pretty great drive system too. Like Microsoft 365 isn't there a reason to shift your search engine around? Mm-hmm. There, so what the, the article talks about is it's going to make it easier for enterprise internal search, and there's all these stats about people wasting time searching. This seems smart short-term, but a really dumb position long-term because Google stuff is actually better than 365. Yeah. One other funny thing from the article I thought is uh, the, the author says, so who uses Bing today? According to Microsoft, Bing holds 25% of the U.S. search engine market. Other estimates aren't as kind. Globally, (laughs) the numbers are much smaller, still with Bing holding an estimated 3% share of the market worldwide. (laughs) And then I think it said Google had like 95%. It's crazy. Crazy. But I I like the fact, oh, I was just 22% off. (laughs) Okay. All right. Next up, Pinterest has launched a refresh of its mobile app. Now, when you go to your Pinterest mobile app, you'll see personalized recommendations. So, Shep, when you hop in there, you're going to see some more disco gear, QVC, fitness recommendations, or maybe some hat rack ideas for your home. Oh, I love that. I actually have researched hat racks before. Did you know that? No, I didn't. I mean, I'm Pinterest here. I, I harnessed my new inner Pinterest app and figured it out. Yeah, my husband has over 200 baseball caps, and I was trying to find a way to store them. Um, no thoughts yet. Let me know, Pinterest. They also have a reorganized navigation menu with search now included in there, which is nice. A new profile design. And so instead of the classic pin board design with user profiles, it's more of a feed of the user's latest pins from all the boards. So check it out on a Pinterest app near you. Next up. The VP of Twitter Design shared a list of coming platform features. And guess what, Shep? What? None of the features are what we actually want. (laughs) We want the edit button. Everybody wants the edit button. And that is not one of the features (laughs) that they've listed. So I'm going to go through quick the features that they listed. One, remove me for this conversation, from this conversation. Are they Taylor Swift? I don't know what that means. She said she would very much like to be excluded from this narrative. Oh. About Kanye West. Was that when he jumped up on stage? Yeah. Okay. See, I'm, I'm hip. <laughs> I want this feature for real life. Remove me from this conversation. <laughs> what if I just said that? Oh I just bring it to IRL. Hey, remove me from this conversation. <laughs> just walk away. All right, number two. Don't allow an RT of this tweet. So you can't, you, let, you put a tweet out there and you're like, no retweets. None. Can you still not get retweets if you're private? or do they You know what? I'm going to screenshot it. I'm going to retweet it anyway, Twitter. <laughs> Next up, you don't allow people to mention me, at mention me, without my permission. So when people are like, don't at me, you say something's good, you'd be like, Chick-fil-A sucks. Don't at me. Now you can really mean it. Yeah. And like nobody can actually at you now. <laughs> All right. And then fourth... Remove this at mention from this conversation. So if you're having a conversation and some troll hops in and starts trolling off, you could be like, get this at this mention out of this conversation. That one makes sense. And then another one where you can tweet only to a certain hashtag interest or specific number of friends. So it's sort of like, I guess, a private mm-hmm. Twitter, which gets super weird. But it's unfortunate that life has come to this where you have to be like, don't at me and don't RT this and remove this mention from the conversation, <laughs> but it's probably good to stop harassment, I guess, but, um, edit would be nice. Yeah. Just give me the edit button. That's what we want. Okay. Well, Twitter does have another feature breaking news, not the edit button, but Twitter is rolling out topics, a way to follow subjects automatically within the timeline. And Twitter starting with more than 300 subjects across sports, gaming, and entertainment. The example they gave was if you're looking on Twitter and you can automatically follow the Rams. Chuck, would you follow the Rams? No. Okay. Who would? <laughs> I don't know. I saw that. I'm like, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want any Rams news. I don't even know what city they're in anymore. I don't think anybody does. 
No, the LA Rams. They were LA, and then went to St. Louis, and then they're like, we made a mistake. We're going back to LA. And then the Chargers were in San Diego, and then they went to LA, and then like now we're going to London, and then we're like, psych, we're not going to they're London. Going to London? Sense. Not anymore. They put a little meme up of the Wolf of Wall Street, and they're staying, staying packed in LA now. The Rams are building a really cool stadium, though, right? Yes. Okay, are. that's cool. I guess I'd follow that. Well, anyway, if you want information like this and more, you can now follow that on Twitter. It's sort of like the ability to follow a hashtag on Instagram, which I actually really love. I use it all the time. Following things like you can maybe like follow handmade or something like that. You can see all this cool stuff that people make or like maker, all this different handmade stuff. Handmade sounds like the, I thought you were talking about the TV show. I don't know. If the, oh, like the <laughs> handmade tale? No, I'm talking about people that like make things. I like stuff like that. Okay. The eye makes all the difference. So do, I, I know I, I gave you some examples. Do you follow any hashtag? Have you followed any hashtags? I, on I haven't, but I want to now. It's really cool. I follow people that make all kinds of stuff and it's really interesting. Next up, Facebook has a new company brand. Before, Facebook used to be Facebook, and now they are Facebook. I guess all caps Facebook. Is that how you pronounce it now? I guess. So instead of being lowercase Facebook, it's uppercase, and they show that it can work with any of the gradients that they use. And you'll see Instagram now from Facebook, WhatsApp from Facebook, and it's now more pronounced. Funny thing, Jack over at Twitter, CEO over at Twitter, wrote a tweet saying Twitter from Twitter. <laughs> I'll have to link to it. I don't know if it worked out from an audio standpoint, but this is dumb. Uh, why? Well, if you actually, are you actually asking that question or no? Why not just do it quietly? Like what you're changing the capitalization. Why does it need a press release? Well, the actual reason why they're doing it is because they're kind of being forced to from a monopoly standpoint with all the scrutiny that's going on from politicians, customer advocates, and everything like that. They're trying to make sure people know exactly what they're using and not trying to hide the fact that they bought Instagram or not trying to hide the fact they bought WhatsApp or Oculus or anything like that. And capitalizing it makes it... That's dumb. Yeah. But I think they're just trying to say, hey, it's from Facebook. They should have came up with something else like Alphabet, like Google has. Mm -hmm. That would make way more sense. <laughs> but I mean, hey, it's from Facebook. Library. All right, next up, we've got news from Adobe and tw Twitter and the New York Times. They're designing a system for permanently attaching artists' names to pictures. That's this cool. It's really cool. It's really cool. I don't know if it's actually going to work. I hope it does. Because I, f I feel like it actually can't work, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Okay. But they've announced an attribution tool as a piece of metadata that can be attached to a file that somebody creates. They didn't describe precisely how it will keep things secure, or prevent somebody from copying content without stripping it out. But if you make something, you will have this metadata attached to the image, so you can say, yep, that's original content. You can also just still just screenshot something. I was going to say that. I, I thought that was a little too like low-tech for you to think of, but yes. But the thing is, you can't just screenshot something and then say it's real. So that's what the getting is. Because like, it'll be crappy. Exactly. Yeah. How do we get rid of deepfakes? And so if you're somebody that's super into deepfakes, you're going to start doing Deep, deep fakes. Ooh. Yeah, start getting into some metadata faking. But from a validity standpoint, that makes a lot of sense to say, nope, I can see this. This wasn't taken by this photographer. Here's the original picture, and they're the owner. This is incorrect. It's actually really, mm -hmm. really helpful. All right, next up, TikTok is said to be under national security review. Chuck Schumer, Democrat here in New York, and the Senate Minority Leader said that the security review was a validation of our concern that apps like TikTok that store massive amounts of personal data accessible to foreign governments may pose serious risks to millions of Americans. So they're looking into the fact of where is this data going, what's it being used for, and is it being censored? I love that a company might have bought in to TikTok and the information that they're getting is that Jif Palm the dog learned how to ride a skateboard. Or like Jif Palm, may he rest in peace. Didn't he die? I, I think he did. I don't have that information. I have to go over overseas to find it. Or, the, or like you're, you yeah. bought this data and you're finding out what Lauren Gray was for Halloween. <laughs> this, is, this is what they're getting. <laughs> it doesn't seem that riveting. Yeah, I don't know what you're going to do with that. All right, and last up comes from 
show favorite John Henshaw, who was out at the Webmaster Conference at Google, and he reports back that emojis may have text-based synonym meanings and can be used in links to convey meaning. So if you link to somebody with an emoji, Google may know what you're talking about. So I'm going to just put this out there because I know that Google now listens to podcasts. AHRF equals, quote, marketing clock, quote, megaphone emoji, closing a tag. So you want to be loud? I don't know exactly what it means, <laughs> but according to John, Google knows. I would like to be the cartwheel. Okay. We're going to have to link over to you. We'll link over to your business Twitter when we do, and we'll okay. use the cartwheel emoji, and Google will know what that means. And that brings us to our real-life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. So, Shep, what's been happening with your accounts lately? I have a really simple one, but annoying. You cannot add locations by DMA region and ad editor, as far as I can tell. Like, I tried to search New York City DMA region, and it's nowhere, but I can copy and paste it from a campaign I added it to online. It's mm. very annoying. I also discovered that you can target airports. That's creepy. Did you know that? <laughs> and I tried to find, like, if there's anything else, like a hotel or anything, but I could, it seemed like it was just airports. That's actually really cool. Yeah. I can think of a few people that that would work with. And neighborhoods. I had never seen that before either. Hmm. Okay. On my accounts, I've got something that I'm hoping will work really hard for me. In my accounts, in my analytics, and a client actually found this, which I'm a little bit bummed about. I didn't see it before they did. We've got attribution in Google Analytics. It was announced back in 2017, and it seems like it's Google attribution now worked right in to analytics. But it's not everywhere, right? It's not everywhere. I had opted into the beta a long time ago, back in 2017, so that might be why I'm seeing it. But if you go into your accounts, go over and check in the left-hand rail all the way at the bottom. And if you see something called attribution, you can pull in different accounts, and then it takes 72 hours to get conversion data and attribution data, I guess. But I was super pumped. I've been whining about this for years, yeah. literally years now, and it's here. Now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. You're like, who does that? <laughs> Just get rid of it. I'm over it. Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about a trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. This week's WTH comes from the New York Times, and they have an article called Sandra Bullock and Ellen DeGeneres Sue Pop-Up Websites Over Misleading Ads. First off, that's a misleading title. It's not a pop-up websites over the misleading ads, is it? No, it's like the ad, the advertising. It's the ads, yeah. yeah it's, it's scummy advertisers. Anyway, they talk about a common trick about setting up fake news sites where scammers put these fake ads up, but real images of the celebrities. And so an example was in the lawsuit, I guess, Sandra Bullock was appearing on the Today Show, something you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. How's Al doing? Al's great. They actually talked about this story on the Today Show today. Whoa. Um, they made it about themselves as usual. I'll get there when you get to that part. Okay. So then they say, oh, Sandra Bullock talks about her new skincare line. She never had one. And they link over and they try to sell some sort of skin products. From the article, the ad says, Sandra even admitted that plastic surgeons are furious with her after noticing a large decline in patients. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You're like, oh my gosh. Who could click on patience. it? You know who I'm going to blame? Not me and my skills and my Google rating and my ad, my marketing. No, I'm going to go blame Sandra. <laughs> what a weird claim to put somewhere. Like who would buy, who would believe that? The headline is, nobody ever thought this is how it would end for Sandra. That's the best. I, that we have to, to put, we're going to put this anything. in the show notes. The title, <laughs> the title of the ad is, Sandra Bullock is gone. She'll be missed what? by fans. <laughs> <laughs> because she made it in skincare? Is that... I don't know. I wish I could click on the ad. And I know. I, I was looking. I was like scouring the internet for this ad. It's amazing. It. Well, apparently this happened to Savannah Guthrie on the Today Show too. Oh, really? So she's just making it all about herself, you know. But again, this ad is... Sandra Bullock is gone. She'll be missed by the fans. WTH are you going to sell with that? Like, what are you going to do with like, skincare? Like a life insurance? Like that would make sense if it wasn't skincare. And you're like, hey, come on over 
get some term life. And that picture of Ellen looks so fake. Like she has never sat in that room. No. She looks like she's in on a soap opera or something. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not, it's not a face of somebody trying to showcase their skin product. No. It's an inquisitive face of being interviewed. I you hope can we can get rid fake. of this. Yeah, this made me think about like TV commercials when there's a celebrity voice on it, but they don't say who it is. And you're like, not sure it's a celebrity voice, but they must be paying a ton of money. Hmm. Like, why do they do that? I always try to guess the celebrity in any of those kid shows where they're animated. It's really hard. Next time you watch it, try How it. do you know if it's a celebrity? Um, they're usually celebrities. Okay. I'll so give it a try. That's how you know. And now for this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. This week's Cool Tool is Aori. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's A-O-R-I, and it's a search campaign builder for Google and Microsoft ads, specifically focused on stags and skags. That sounds like a country band. <laughs> what are you doing tonight? I'm going to check out stags and skags. So if you're not familiar with these fun acronyms, stags is single theme ad group, which I feel like should be every ad group. And the lead singer. Yeah. And then skags. His ragtag brother on bass guitar <laughs> is <A> single <laughs> keyword ad group. Yes. So this is actually a really awesome tool and you can create large campaigns in less than 10 minutes. It says on the websites with a skag builder and long tail keyword generator. There is a theme builder for campaign structure and an ad builder tool with templates and you can just add your keywords right into the templates. And after you've reviewed your campaign, you can download it to a CSV for free or for the paid plan, you can also sync it up right with your Google and Microsoft account and import it into the platform. So for a company who doesn't have an agency they're working with or um, short staff on the marketing side and don't have a lot of experience with paid advertising online, this is a really great option. Build your campaigns easily and you can monitor them through the platform as well. And also disclaimer test. Yeah. You know, oh, with, always. With, yeah, with closed variants those skags might not be working as well as they used to. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. And today's must-read marketing article of the week comes from Rand Fishkin and Maz, but Rand Fishkin of SparkToro. Whether you love him or hate him, you can't deny that the man works hard. He is now back with a free six-part video series on SEO fundamentals. This shop is like a whiteboard Friday on steroids. <laughs> Lots of them. And it breaks down the following sections for you for free in under an hour, obviously, due to the name. SEO strategy, keyword research, searcher satisfaction, on-page optimization, technical SEO, link building, and you can get it all in an hour. And you're not going to be a pro. But it's a very good fundamentals course that Rand put together. And a side note, even if you don't need the course, Rand used to be known for his yellow shoes and then being the Super Bowl proposal guy. And then for that mustache, his haircut, phenomenal. It's wild. I could never rock that. I've never seen it before. It must be the Rand. Could you imagine if I if I, I I don't have nearly that moxie to rock I, that cut? I can't imagine. It's nice. It goes all the way down to the back. So check it out. Even if you're an SEO pro, I think you'll really enjoy it. Thank you, Rand. All right. That does it for today's show. Thank you to t-shirt.searchenginejournal.com. If you want to look awesome while you're working awesome, they've got punk rock <laughs> Metal, old school video game, like some 80s, like Tron. Anything you want to do with SEO shirt, they've got it. They've got you covered. And if you're looking for another great podcast, check out the Search Engine Journal show. And this week, it's Ask an SEO Pro, and I believe it's Julie Joyce about links and her journey. So I'm sure that is going to be fantastic. Don't miss it. It's now officially not Marketing Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from today's show on marketingaclock.com. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. 
part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Shooting the Heck, where after our famous Friday news shows, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the heck. And this week we're playing everybody's favorite game, poke holes in this, where we come up with ideas and you just try to poke holes in an idea that is unpokeable. We'll see. First up. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I've got an idea for magnetic car ads. Hear me out. You drive a car, you want to make a little extra cash, you sign up for the ability to put an ad on your car. People already do it anyway with bumper stickers. This is an ad that goes on your car. You see it with taxis all the time. I saw it here in Buffalo where there aren't even any taxis. A taxi with a light-up thing on top. There's taxis in Buffalo. Oh, but barely. <laughs> I mean, so you can say, hey, I want to make an extra five bucks a month. I'm going to slap some magnets on my car. Boom. That would be. I would feel so sad for those people. Five dollars a month. Also, you're talking. Let me to change someone... it up. Fifty dollars a month, and you slap magnets on your car. No. Five hundred dollars a month. I once left a magnet on my car for too long, and it like fused to the metal <laughs> and destroyed my car. Well, what kind of magnet was it? Um. Well, okay. My car was my grandma's, and then she gave it to me, and she put the magnet on. It was for like some college none of us went to. <laughs> a little unclear. <laughs> So you you think so poke holes in that? You say people no. wouldn't do it. Yeah. First of all, ever heard of distracted driving? We have enough things distracting us on the road. We don't need more ads. This might get rid of billboards, though. Wouldn't that be nice? You can't. I like the billboards. No. No. <laughs> if I need something to look at while I'm driving, it would have to be in yes. a very pedestrian-heavy no. area because. People in the other cars aren't going to see the ads on the cars. You don't look to your side. What are these ads? Are these Instagram influencer ads with promo codes? And <laughs> I've got an ad about um, Sandra Bullock's new skincare line. <laughs> and these would have to be pretty big ads. It sounds like you guys can't poke any holes. Okay, okay, okay. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I have some safety issues, though. Would they go on the back windshield? Where would you put magnetic. them? No, they're so magnetic. The I know, but they would have to be pretty big for you to see them, right? Three times bigger than a bumper sticker. That's our tagline. I don't hate it. I don't think it would work. Thank you. Okay, so next up. <laughs> do you know that people these days don't go to movie theaters any longer? I go to movie I, yeah. theaters. And my <laughs> I wife do. won't go because many people fall asleep. They don't like it. So what my thought was is you have an extra uncomfortable movie theater so that people for sure can't go and fall asleep during the movie. So those folks that might be saying, I don't want to go to the movie theater. I fall asleep. It's too dark. Everything's too comfortable. Let's flip it. Let's have extra uncomfortable no. movie theaters. Are you, there's people who can fall asleep anywhere. Yeah, I was going to say that. And on also, a plane, which is the most uncomfortable place in the world, people are out. Well, I can sleep on a plane. I cannot. There's people who fall asleep in the movie theater, but the person they're going to the movie theater with may not fall asleep, and they're not going to want to go in the uncomfortable chair, and then they're just going to stay home like they are now. Every single movie, even if it sucks, you'd be on the edge of your seat. No, that's a terrible idea. I'd rather have like chairs that shocked you awake. (laughs) (laughs) That could be part of it. That could be part of it too. No. Okay, next idea. There are so many different kinds of flavored water out there. And I feel like mm, the craft brewing industry is booming. We drink a lot of seltzer water here in the office, and you can get watermelon to pomegranate to everything under the sun. We mix the two, and we make beer-flavored water. And you're like, oh, I'm going to drink a stout. This exists. Does it exist? Well, they have that hop water. This I've is never different. had that. I've heard about that. But this is beer water. You, t- you take it and you're like, I've How is made it this different from taste an like NA? a Sam Adams. How is it different from an N.A.? Because N.A. is beer. I want beer-flavored seltzer water. No. Yeah, give me the stout. I'm going to have a stout So seltzer. it wouldn't be dehydrating, but it would taste like beer? It would taste exactly like beer. That's just impossible. Why? Why can you That's make Diet NA. Coke? 
Diet, how Diet Coke's not hydrating. It tastes good because it's not good for you. Okay, so it's not good for you, but it's not beer. No calories. It's an no NA. Anything. It exists. I don't think this exists. I don't like beer, so I don't care. Okay. <laughs> and that's my input. <laughs> okay, well, this is my best idea anyway. I'll save it for the end. As you all recently voted many times on some of the smaller issues or smaller positions, I guess. You're talking about like your county selectsman or something like that. And you're like, I didn't even know that existed. You know, you get to the big objectives and you're like, oh, I know who, what's going on here. I know it's there. You get to the bottom you're like, I don't even know what this yeah. is. And you're like, I'm just going to pick one. And then you're like, I'm picking off the name. And then you're like, what's wrong or whatever. I've got a foolproof plan to be elected. <laughs> Change your name. First name, lower. Last name, taxes. You get that ballot. And you have to choose between John Brady and lower taxes. Guess who's getting elected? Lower taxes. Also, the oh. name Low is pretty awesome. It's cool if you're a, a tall guy. It's funny. And you'd be like, hey, Low. And if you're a short guy, you'd be like, yeah, I'm Low. And you embrace it. It's good. So lower taxes. the name Low or Lower? Lower taxes. This but is it, your plan to get elected? Anybody can get elected. You can never lose with the name Lower Taxes. Who would vote against lower taxes? What if you were running against, like, free pasta or something? Then you would lose. See, you one-up me, Shep. You sly, <laughs> you sly devil, you. Um, that, okay, that's a dumb idea, but they should put, like, their elevator pitch on there. That's the worst that's a idea. Great, that is the best idea. No, that's the worst. You wouldn't vote for lower taxes? Mm, no. It's genius, because you could even it's raise taxes, and you could be like, no, I'm lower taxes. So you have to decide, like, when you're having a baby that it's going to run for office and you're going to name it lower taxes? No, you can change your name anytime. It's legally binding. I, that's wrong. That's misleading. What if you don't want to lower taxes? It doesn't matter. People, your name is lower taxes. It's genius. No. no. Voting is a whole other conversation in general. Okay. Well, I've got everybody's <laughs> votes except two. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>